Midlife Moxie. We are a community and podcast all about midlife women making this one of the best seasons of their lives. Well, I'm one of your hosts, Gail. And I'm Christina. We're going to be sharing our stories, struggles, and joys while bringing you experts on topics that you care about. And we're going to do it while having a whole lot of fun. So buckle up, girls. Let's get our Moxie on. Hey, Christina. Hey, Gail. I cannot wait for this episode because it's going it to be, gonna be fun. fun. And we love all our episodes, but it's going to be fun and yeah, funny. Yeah, and I heard we have somebody in the house that is very funny. And I've heard her say a couple of things and it's made me giggle because of just how she presented it um, when we were in some other other rooms with her, you know, on social media. So uh, I'm really excited to see what she brings to the table today. Well, I met this lady on social media in Clubhouse, or no, I think I actually met her through someone else I met on Clubhouse who hosted me to do a class for them on reels. And this lady was in my class and she's one of those people that embraced it. And I love when someone takes what you've taught them and runs with it, and she definitely has. But we've become good friends, even though we've never met, just like you and I, Christina, like mm-hmm. I can't wait to meet her in person. And I was immediately attracted when I heard she was a comedian. And I'm like, you don't meet a lot of female comedians. We've had another on this show. But the story we're talking about today is going to be different because this gal is also a teacher, a trainer, a coach. I mean, she's a speaker, well sought after, tons of accolades to her name, tons of certifications. Uh, You think she's just blonde hair and giggles, but she's really very deep and very brilliant. And so I want to welcome my dear friend, Elaine Williams. Hi, Elaine. Hi. Well, thank you, ladies. Thank you both, Christina and Gail. You guys, I really love what you're doing. I feel like you're just knocking it out of the park. Your, your your brand is growing, your community is growing. And so I'm really excited. I'm like, God, I hope I'm funny today. <laughs> no well, pressure. if you're not, you know. <laughs> We're going to bury no pressure, this right? episode. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it may not come to light. No, I think you'll be funny. Yeah, she no, just innately are funny. And it's just, you know, to me, I was I was reading this book, um, Humor Dot Seriously, and I was like, yes, yes, yes. And I, it's a library book, but I have to get my own copy because they've done all the research that I have intuitively and instinctively been doing on my own, you know, and um, I don't have a PhD. I don't even have a master's. I have two degrees in drama. And then I have all these other coaching certifications or whatever, but I've been on a healing path for a long time. And I think, you know, I know you guys talked, asked your guests about like, what was your aha defining moment? And I don't worry, I'm not going to go back to when I was four. That's a joke. But uh, you know, but that's when people are like, I'm going to do my one woman show. And you're like, Oh, God, yeah. we don't have three hours. But you know, I was, I was always funny in the moment, doing Neil Simon, doing like, you know, monologues or dancing. And when I moved to New York City to pursue theater, after working my whole life in Texas, right, I was always working. I moved to New York and I get sober. I couldn't get arrested. Like nobody wanted me because I was so intense because I was like, I got to make up for lost time. And so (laughs) 
people, people would be like, uh, you need to take some improv. Like, because I didn't realize it, but I was so intense. And I, you know, my acting teacher goes, that's the first time I've heard you laugh after a year because I was mm. just, you know, being newly sober in New York City was hard. I wouldn't recommend it, but that's how I did it. And it would have been 20 times harder to try to get sober in Austin where I was because I knew everybody. I knew Willie Nelson. I mean, I was I was in <laughs> so a lot of circles. Austin's a party town oh, too. That is not a big place yeah. for and a I, sober and I girl. Had, I had worked at some of the best places, Chewy's, chill, you know. So I know that it was like God's plan to get sober in New York, which is there's lots of bars, but there's also meetings like 6 a.m. to like midnight. But anyway, so I love humor because it lightened me up, which I desperately needed but did not know Well, it was funny that. during the pre-show when we were chatting and getting our adjustments made, you say, okay, we got to get serious. This is this is about comedy. <laughs> and we were just so <laughs> laughing because we are going to talk about the serious side of comedy today. But I, first, I want to know how you got here because we hear a lot of things about comedians that... A lot of comedy is born out of pain and hiding your trauma and hiding that pain. And so tell me, how did you become a comedian? Well, when I was four, no, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that my, parents divorced, my parents divorced when I was young in the 70s. And, you know, when you're a kid, you feel like you're the only one. And it's, it is way more common now. But so I learned at an early age, like I always felt like something was wrong. Something was wrong with me. I had that big hole and I filled it and I found love, theater. Oh my God, theater. So, and then I had this crazy stepmother. My father remarried and then crazy woman. And my mother is kind of, I love her to death, but like classic narcissist. So I had these two women who hated each other. It's a miracle nobody got shot because there were shotguns. It was Texas, you know, like looking back, I'm like, oh my God. But so I always was using humor, but I didn't know it to sort of deflect. And because I was the new kid, because we moved constantly, there was just a lot of chaos. And then when I moved in with my dad and my stepmother, all this other shit started happening, alcoholism, being molested, like it was like, whoa, you know, and so theater was like my out. That's where that's where I felt safe. That was my happy place. So I poured everything into into theater. And then when I went to University of Texas in Austin, I was like, okay, I have to be grown up. I'm going to, I'm going to try to be grown up. <laughs> and I would go to the theater. Whatever that is, yeah. right? And I would cry. I would cry because I wasn't on stage. And I was like, journalism, advertising. I was trying to do all these things and I would cry. And finally I was dating this amazing man. And he was like, when you talk about theater, you like light up. And I was like, oh. You know, like it just those aha moments. So anyway, so fast forward, I finally graduate. It took me forever, blah, 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 blah. I moved to New York. And then, um, you know, so finally my friend said, Elaine, you've got to get some improv. So I started taking Upright Citizens Brigade, where a lot of people from SNL come from, Amy Poehler, blah, blah, blah. And then I did The Pit, which is people's improv theater. I did a one-woman show about being a diner waitress, which was like my biggest fear. You can kiss my grits. <laughs> Anybody? Alice, yes. remember? Okay, yes. thank you, Alice. my people. Mm -hmm. That was, it's like, I love that mm -hmm. show, but like, please don't let me end up there, you know? And so I finally, I took a, and I was, I was not funny on demand. Like, it's one thing to be funny doing Neil Simon. It's a whole other thing. I would get up there and like, it was like crickets and everybody else in the class had already done theater. So I would go home and cry and eat ice cream. 
What am I doing? So finally, I just said, Elaine, just freaking just finish the class. Just finish the class. Just go pretend like it's a monologue. Expect nothing. So I had my little thing. I was doing vagina warrior because it was, you know, I was anything for that, which is kind of a funny concept. Anyway, so I get to the family stuff and people are like howling. And my friend said I was like, I looked so shocked and I wish I had taped it. But this is, you know, back in the day before everybody had phones that did that. Anyway, so I remember thinking, oh, my God, I'm supposed to help people. Like my life made sense. Like I had all these addictions and trauma and abuse so that I could heal myself and then help others. And Mm. it was like my life made sense because it had been kind of a shit show for a long time, you know? And even though I was sober, I was still like, what am I doing? You know? And so that was like a big line of demarcation for me. And then now I use humor. I try to do it with everything that I do because it helps people relax, you know? In fact, shall we talk about the benefits? Because there are so many Well, there's benefits. a few more things we want okay. to know in this setup. Okay, cool, cool. Christina, <laughs> what do we want to know? <laughs> well, we want to know, like, where are some of the venues that you've played at and, yeah. and who have you played with? And Name drop, you know, baby. Na- okay. Yeah, this is this is your season. This is okay. your time. Name drop it. Okay, girl. baby. Name okay. drop it. So I... And I am going to say, you've got to talk a little bit more slowly for our listeners okay. in the South. Sorry. Thank you. I- <laughs> No, I appreciate that. Or we'll that. have to do, what is that, Listen. not translation, but online subtitling for this okay. episode. No, thank you. I get excited. So part of being, you know, part of pursuing acting was you do a lot of meet and greets. So you pay money to go meet the casting director and talk. And some of them are amazing. And some of them are like, do this, do this, don't do this, bye. You know, so I got to meet the Saturday Night Live talent coordinator for the under fives and extras. And he was really cool. And I remember he talked about how TV is so not glamorous and how you can be, you can have like, you can have, you can be on SNL and have no insurance. And like, (laughs) like, just like, I used to think, you know, if you get on Broadway, you've made it. Ah, Doesn't mean shit. Anyway, Broadway's tiny little theaters. Yeah. I mean, it's not what you think. Yeah, it's not. It's not. And um, my voice teacher, I remember going with her. She uh, taking the subway after she'd been on freaking Broadway. Anyway, so I got to be on Saturday Night Live. I was a dancer, an MTV dancer for Seth Meyers. And I hung out with Jack Black, who was super cool. And I met here. Oh, my gosh. Jack Black. Yes. Super cool. And I met Jack. Um. Daryl Hammond, who used to do all of the presidential stuff. He used to do Bill Clinton. He was mm-hmm. amazing. And um, so those were my two, you know, favorite people from I want to there. back up to MTV Dancer. <laughs> I How knew, the heck I knew that was coming. A white girl from Austin, Texas become an MTV Dancer. Well, it was the skit. So, if you, and you know what's interesting about SNL? If you think about it, they come up. They have nothing on Monday. They have like the host, the celeb. And then they literally, no wonder they all did cocaine in the beginning, right? So it's like they have to come up with so much stuff, right? So they're like, they do a table thing. They meet the the, the famous person, the host. And then they're all like trying to write stuff and write stuff and write so stuff. So everything is written that week, yeah. you're saying? Yeah. Wow. Oh, no wow. preparation at all. Just so like- how many times... 
Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, how many Hold times did you appear on like, SNL? Seriously, wait, Gail. Like, let's just put the blow on the table and then let's try to figure Stop out what it we're going to do. Cocaine like, references, <laughs> you two. Isn't that crazy? But it's just like, what? People don't like, realize, like, I mean, I love TV, but people would say, Elaine, you should try to be a TV writer. And I would look at them and I would think, hell no, because I know that I would, I would need something and I would lose my sobriety because they all oh, look exhausted. Wow. Most shows crank out a hundred jokes or sketches or skits for a 30 minute this is like a like wow a, yeah and so wow like John Stewart if you, I love John Stewart his yes. old show he had like three hundred and fifty people on his staff wow so, so like Stephen Colbert like they have he they have somebody who just scours the headlines they and he has like all these young people because he's like me he's like who are they? who's the music person right like you you know how you yeah. just can't keep up even super people who are into pop culture can't keep up right so anyway. Oh. Absolutely. I I was <laughs> so this is so funny because you know we're in this Johnny Depp Amber Heard oh right thing, and right. I was like I was like who's Amber Heard <laughs> like who is she oh and why why is she even relevant you know <laughs> I feel like the only reason I know stuff is because I watch Stephen Colbert and the only yeah. reason he does stuff because he has a whole team of people that help him stay on top of like what's current exactly. what's trending what's blah 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 so exactly so I. I was only on one episode of SNL and I probably could have done more as, you know, just like an extra or a dancer, but, um, you know, I just didn't, I didn't pursue it cause I was getting into more comedy and I just, you know, it's, I don't know. There's just so many things to focus on when you're running around New York city. So, but it's amazing what they do. And, um, you know, when you're a dancer or an extra, there's a, there's a costume guy who like, he walks around and he goes, you know, I'm not really enjoying that on you. That's what he says. I'm not really <laughs> enjoying, enjoying that. that on you. But if you think about like what he does, like they put together all the sets, all the costumes. Like the next time you watch a show, just think about like they came up with so many things and they have, they usually have like 14 skits that are selected and they do the first show at like 5.30 or 6.30 on a Saturday. I mean, it might have changed because of COVID, but they bring in an audience. They run the show with cameras, but nothing is broadcast. And then they watch and they decide what's going to get cut. So you don't know if your sketch or scene is going to make it until the actual live taping that happens wow. like Saturday at like whatever. So it's, it's really anybody who comes to New York city, if you can, it's really a cool experience to get to be in the audience. I was freaking out because just to be an NBC, you know, it was cool. It was like the sure. history of all of that. So, so yeah. how many times could we actually go back and how many episodes of yours made it that you were actually just, in? Just one. It was just the one I was just, Seth Meyers was doing some kind of MTV thing and I was dead center. And okay, what's the is there episode number? You know what? I'm gonna have to find out. I, I know it was like 2004, so I'll get back to you because I'm I, dying to see it. Yeah, and I'm then, dying to see and it. And then I did get through six rounds of America's Got Talent, I never made it to the TV cut, but I got through six rounds, and that was an amazing experience. And then I was on Lucky Louie, I did, I was on, um, what do you call it? Uh, All My Children, One Life to Live, 
I was like, yes, doctor, you know, like I have a million tiny little microscopic parts. And then, you know, the plays where I've been like the lead, those are like in podunk theaters in bumfuck. Nobody cares about, you know, that's, <laughs> you know or like, podunk. or like, am I PR lady? Deprecation like, of comedians is real. Well, it's true. And, and you know, my PR ladies like use everything. Cause I was like, well, I never really made it on TV for America's Got Talent, but she's like, but you made it through the, you know, through the finals. And like, I worked on a TV pilot called Room for Improvement. And we just on a lark, we made, we shot this thing, making fun of my life as a landlord and how I can't get my tenants to take out their garbage, but I can get standing ovations in Ohio and like making myself, you know, make fun <laughs> of like funny. me trying to deal with contractors. Anyway, so we're like, we shot this thing. I know what I was doing, but I was just like, fuck it. So I applied to New York TV Festival and we made it to the semifinals. And, but you know how you're like, have you ever been like, when you're like, what is this? Like, if they're going to pitch something to me, I'm leaving. Or if they're going to do the LA thing, you know, that LA thing where people look over your shoulder, like who else is more interesting or whatever. Anyway, so we get there and we talk to the people and we're like, is this a real thing? And the guy's like, oh, I come every year from LA. This is a really cool festival. And the guy who created Arrested Development, Mitch, whatever his last name is. I love that show. He was love there. that show. He was great. And he started out getting coffee for the guy who got coffee for the guy who got coffee on Golden Girls. So, you know, it's interesting. It's like it's a small world, but yeah. So those are some That's, of my things. I, you know, I can send you links if you want. <laughs> well, I just, I just want our audience to know where you come from and who you are. And I love that every time I talk to you, I'll learn something new because the great thing about Elaine is she does not lead with her famousness, with her <laughs> um, credentials. She just leads with friendship and love for people. And that's one of the things I love about you because like, I'd probably talk to you a million times till you dropped anything that I'm like, you know whom? <laughs> you know what? You know, you did that? And so every time I talk to her, I learn something new. But, you know, we want to talk about why laughing is important and what it does to your brain and body. And, you know, the science behind it all, because I know that you use humor while speaking and working with others. And I do think that when we hear something that is funny, that it's easily remembered yes. because it was so funny. And I think it also causes people to put down their defenses. Yes. And it's also a way, I know for me, we use it as protection. Like if I say it first about myself, right. then I took away your power to say it about me. Yeah. And people say, oh, don't say that about yourself. And I'm like, it's a fact and I'm just going to go with it before someone else does. So yeah. let's That's talk so about great. Well, yeah. And I, you know, you guys are growing this awesome community, right? And you're going to be doing events or speak, you know, I can see both of you just, whoa, right. And so one of the best ways is when you, especially cause you're pretty, you're powerful. So the minute you walk into a room, a lot of women are going to feel threatened. Right. Unfortunately. I mean, we have come a long come way. Mm. Right. But like I used, if, especially if someone is, you know, if you look like you have it all together and you're pretty, some women, if they don't feel good about themselves that day, are going to be like, right? You know, it's just. See, it's just why a, don't we think to ourselves, I want to know her? Well, 
I, I'm just That's saying more what I, mean, I think. Ooh, I want to know well, her. And I, I think that is trending. And I'm just saying one of the best ways you can quickly disarm people is if you can make <laughs> some kind of self-deprecating thing about yourself. Yes. Now you don't want to you don't want to go overboard because you're gonna take you're gonna lose your credibility. But if you can make a joke about like, you know. Oh my God, you should have seen me 10 minutes ago or like trying to get my kids out of the, you know, or whatever. Like you can make some quick thing that basically shows your humanity. Then people, the walls come down. Right. And, and well, I'm talking, this is fast, right? Yeah. And, and I'll say this uh, because you just reminded me of this when we were in the clubhouse room. We were talking about ethnicity. We were talking about um, just, you know, where people come from and how um, one of, one of our friends was like, hey, I feel this way when people ask me. And I said, oh, yeah, I, I get it because like I feel like that too sometimes. Um, but it's all it's all in the way that you say it and how you say it and how you deliver it. And your response was awesome. You're like, I don't even think about that. I just come, I'm, I, I've always, something about like, I've always just considered myself a white trash coming from the trailer park or something right. like that. And I was dying. I was like, that is funny. That is a really funny. <laughs> she's, she's hilarious because it wasn't, it, and it did, it showed that you didn't see people in a different light. You saw them as uh, all having Human being. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so uh, I just wanted to give our audience an example of how you actually do that when you engage with people and, and how it can be um, very helpful, you know, mm -hmm. in, a, when we in, let in a situation. Know, yeah, that we you. don't take ourselves yeah. too seriously, yeah. then they, they loosen up. And it's yeah. basically a way of saying, I'm not a threat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But other, other than connecting to people, I know you've studied this, what laughter does to the brain and the body. Oh. And, you know, gosh, we've had a rough few years how we here. We yeah. need to do mm. some laughing. Absolutely. And so, yeah, I mean, I get so excited. They're teaching improv at MIT and Harvard Business School. And mm. if you think about it, what is negotiation? It's listening mm -hmm. and then responding. It's not always the reaction, reaction, reaction. And I think... One of the things that's exciting is, yes, there's all this hypersensitivity. And so people go, oh, God, it's so scary to be funny because you can't say this and this and this. And here's the thing. like I'm encouraging levity. I'm encouraging humor. There are different levels. And here's what's cool. If I say, come see me at a comedy club, this is people like, yeah, make me laugh, you know, on the East Coast. That's what you get. <laughs> but if you come, see, if I say, come see my Toastmasters talk or come to this workshop, you have low expectations. <laughs> you hope I can just talk and put some sentences together and not be like stumbling. There's so nothing I more can... fun than being funny when it's unexpected, like funny yes. in a serious mm -hmm. moment. Yes, yes, I yes, love yes. to and do that. I feel like that is my mission. Like if you want to study comedy, do it. Don't quit your day job. It is a craft. It is it is a long journey. When I first started, they're like, it's going to take 10 years. I was like, 10 years? It takes to get the salt and be able to ride the wave because every crowd's different, la, la, la. So what I want to talk about for our, our listeners is, you know, how can you add humor? Like for, I guess, like to answer, let me answer the first question. Why? So when you laugh, it, it raises serotonin 
it boosts dopamine and dopamine is the feel good. Serotonin is the love happy and the oxytocin, which is the trusting. So people, that's why people feel like, oh my God, you made me laugh and they want to hug you. Hmm. So, and who doesn't want more of that, right? And you burn calories and because you're using your diaphragm to laugh, <laughs> right? Chuckle, whatever. You're burning calories and you're releasing toxins. So who doesn't want more of that, right? And and they say that when people are laughing together, two or more people gathered in his name, right? Whatever you believe, um, that it creates community. It creates a bond. And I know for a fact it raises vibration. And I don't mm. know all the nuances of metaphysics with that. I am in an energy, but I'm, I feel like I'm a beginner as far as my pranic healing journey. But, you know, I look at pictures, right? You ever looked at a picture of yourself, like after being on stage and I'm glowing. So mm -hmm. I don't understand all of it, but I know that I feel better. And, and this is one of my favorite stories. So I was the MC at a club in Boston. And the MC is kind of a thankless job because you're focusing people. Everyone's like, you know, in the beginning, they're like, how much is parking? How much is a drink? Am I going to get laid? Shit. How much, you know, like they're not there. You're, they're not present, right? So you got to get them present. So you're like doing crowd work. You're going in and out of your material and you're kind of like wrangling the crowd, right? And then if you do a good job, you've raised them, you focus them, and then you have to pass them over to the next comedian. So it's like, ah, and then the next comedian goes, and then if they do a good job, you keep the show going because you, you want to ride that ride. If they don't do a good job, then you have to get them back. So mm. there's a lot of nuances. And I'm grateful because this has helped me become a better speaker. So anyway, so my boyfriend was closing the show. He was the headliner, and we'd had a really hot show. So I'm like behind this. It, it, it was like a pole. And so I was like halfway to the stage and sort of standing in the audience. And I could feel the energy and it was just like, whoa, like it was just this, it was this vibrating, like, and I kept thinking, this is God, this is love. Oh my God. And I, it was such a cool experience. And I remember I got all choked up and I thought, this is why I do what I do. Like, this is love. This, because I was like in the audience, but about to go on stage. But it was such an amazing, it was like we had created a community of strangers coming together, sitting in the dark, laughing at the insanity of being human and life and the incredible contradictions. And, and you know, for 90 minutes, we came together and communed, hmm. you know, and to me, like that is, that is the gift. You know, you know, I think and too when you're around other people, yeah, yeah. When the minute you make someone laugh or you laugh at the same thing, you're connected and you think oh. that's my person. I've got something common with them, and it, it it can be the most unsuspecting person, but the minute you giggle at the same thing, it, it connects you and you feel a, a kinship. Surprise! We are so excited because today we get to let a secret out of the bag. It's a giveaway! We have a special treat for you guys. Tell them what they can win, Christina. Well, you guys are able to win a pair of Tidewater sandals. 
And let me just tell you, they do not disappoint. You can wear them in the street or on the beach and you will love them. The soles are this really thick yoga mat material. So they're soft and cushy and they mold to your feet. But they're also super lightweight to just toss in your beach bag, your suitcase. Heck, just keep them in your car for whenever you need them. And let's talk about cute. Oh my gosh, I got green and white gingham plaid with the South Carolina state on them. How adorable is that? What did you get, girl? I got a pair of sandals and mine are this super fabulous blue color and they have some straps on them. I love them and they are so comfortable. I know you're taking them on your big hiking trip next week. So here's the thing. They have been so generous to give to our listeners one free pair from their collection. You get to choose your style and your size. And it's so easy to enter. You're going to head over to midlifemoxie.net and then go down where you see subscribe to our email mailing list and newsletter. Simply enter your email then and you're entered to win. It's that simple. You guys don't want to miss out. This is going to be a fabulous giveaway and many more to come. So just go on, subscribe, and let's see who wins. And that's thanks to ToddWaterSandals.com. Now back to the show. Well, you know, I learned that early on. Uh, I I don't know if you've ever watched Elaine, that 70s show. Yeah. Do Do you remember? Okay. So when I was together with my son's father, I would love to watch it. It was just so funny to me. And he would not laugh. He thought it was stupid. And I looked at him and I was like, oh, we are not aligned. We are not aligned. <laughs> Why didn't you leave him all? immediately? <laughs> Christina and I always well, say, if you don't think we're funny, we can't be friends. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm offended when someone doesn't think I'm funny. I'm offended because I'm freaking funny. Well, and that's okay. So that's another great lesson. So, so when I think there's so much fear, right, that I'm going to try to say something funny or sometimes we try things, especially if we're in a room live or zoom or whatever, and there's that fear and not even like if you're trying to tell a joke, but just like trying to, and sometimes there's that fear that there's going to be that awkward, right? And so that's why I teach saver lines because a saver line is, is just a great, great way to recover, right? Because if we try something and, and it falls flat, a lot of times we're like, and then it's just like this awkward thing, right? Like the audience is okay. like, that was I think right? I need saver lines because okay, see, what's, what's when a saver I line? throw okay. out some of these, I, I right. do this sometimes at inappropriate places like right. the doctor's office. Yeah. But if my doctor doesn't laugh, I think, well, you must not know a damn thing about medicine because you don't think I'm funny. I mean, I, I totally, if you don't think I'm funny, I totally like discredit you from having any purpose on this earth. You just, oh God. you just don't exist. You're no good. You're not for me. And they're just trying to do their job and I'm cracking jokes, but well, and, it's just and what I, I do. I hate it when like, okay, so my husband and his daughter, they they laugh and giggle and they have their own inside things, but it's mostly Ooh. on like the English language. And I'm like, I don't get Because you it. don't speak English. Right. Ah! <laughs> Is, well, was it spelling? Was it spelling? <laughs> it's true. I just look at him and I'm like, that's not funny. Like, that, like well, I wish I, I could laugh. Well, and that's great. Like, it's subjective, right? Yeah. 
And so, especially if you want to start studying comedy, which I recommend, you can think of, you can start to think about, well, what do I think is funny? Like the three stooges. I was a girl. I was always worried about them. My boyfriend, who's a comedy writer, he thinks he grew up with them and he thinks they're hilarious. I was always like, ah, they're hurting each other. So that's a very, you know, example of God, boys loved them. Girls, most girls didn't. But here, let me give you an example of a saver line, which basically is saying, like, you know, all right. Sometimes mine is, I'm sorry, I said that, I didn't mean to. That's my saver. Right. <laughs> or, you know, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. that. Is this on? Is this on? You know, that's a, that's an old one. But you can just say, well, my cat thought that did was you hear hilarious me? this morning. <laughs> or, or, you know what, when I did that in my car, it killed you know, hilarious. And, or, or one of my favorites is some of you will get that on the way home. Oh, that's like, there you go. like a delayed. Mm-hmm. There you go. You know, and so and, <laughs> for you slow and, people. <laughs> and so I encourage everybody listening and, you know, start a list, start a Google Docs of what can you say or like, well, that killed in my kindergarten class. Or, you know, basically the whole point is you're saying, all right, not everything is going to be an A joke. Let's move on. Like, I'm okay. My You're husband okay. thinks Let's that's think- funny, but then again, right. he's sleeping with me. Right. <laughs> right. He has some of that. Right. Add like, that to the list. <clears throat> right. Like, have you ever okay, had, like, so- a, a boss that tells jokes and everybody laughs, even though you're kind of like, <laughs> Right, like, <laughs> right. That I, I want people to spit and snort. Like, and for those of you listening and wondered what that sound was, Christina has officially snorted already on this episode. So oh, that makes it's going down. That's like a comedy <laughs> orgasm. Elaine yes. has won. Yes. She has won. So when <sighs> when people laugh, and we have these chemicals in our body, what else happens to us? Does it? Does that feeling affect? us for hours for the day? Does it impact our decision-making? Does it impact our, we've, we've said it impacts our connection to others. Yes. Does it help us to be less anxious? Does it yes. help us to and actually think yes. more clearly? Yes. What other things happen? That's so great. Thank you for the question. So it also helps lower the cortisol. Cortisol is our stress thing. That's why I know I have a little tummy right now because woo, it's been a tense weekend. Um, it helps Yeah, it helps lower that cortisol and it helps boost your productivity. When you use humor to teach things, people retain information longer. So like, whoa, and we're not talking, it does not have to be a calm, like a joke. But if you can infuse a little bit of humor, a little bit of levity, people are like 75% more likely to retain it. It boosts teamwork. It enhances um, people working together. So the fact that they're just now talking about work, culture, and humor, like I feel like the last five years it's really come about. But to me, that's so exciting, right? And what's fun is- You know, it what doesn't... we're finding out about work in general is so right, just directly oppositional to what we always thought. We always thought you needed this quiet be professional. environment of solitude. You don't need to be talking. But I remember- being in an office and having a having a partner in in the in the one room office there that we had, um, I mean, 
our room, I should say. We we shared an office and we would talk all day and cut up all day, but we were super productive. But right. looking from the outside, people were probably thinking, they need to be quiet. They're just talking. Right. They're not getting anything done. But we're finding that not to be true. We're also finding out, they think when people work from home, they'll just be, you know, just acting fools all day and not getting any work done. But they're finding people are getting more work more done. done. Yeah. Because they're not and- at the water cooler and they're not you know, going to meetings all day and they're not going to the copy machine all day and right. lunch and distractions. They just are getting a better flow. So yeah, yeah, I think this yep, fits yep, right yep. in, but I love that people retain information longer because like you use the word joke, but there's, there's telling a joke and then there's just doing something in a funny way, yes. saying something in a funny way, describing it in a funny way. And that's kind of my jam. Like, I don't do jokes. Well, here, let me tell you a joke. Right. more, I'm in the middle of trying to explain something and I say something. And sometimes I don't even realize how funny it is. Well, and that's, yes. Until it's somebody who's not used to the South or what I do or what I, the colloquialisms. Right. And that just makes it even more fun. Absolutely. And that's what people remember, right? Like, one of the things I teach when I'm, you know, different things is I talk about like introduce yourself and then say one thing that's kind of funny or quirky or kooky about you because people are going to remember that more than like, oh, she yes. helps productivity with the, blah, 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 the TED talk, you know, that stuff. Because at the end of the day, we, we want to know who you are, right? That's why we talk about story and jokes are just a version of story. But yeah, think of it. You don't have to stand up and tell jokes. I mean, if you want to, Call me, we'll talk, right? But like mm-hmm. you can be a you can be a shepherd of levity. You can put up a funny slide, you know, and, and I think for so long, unfortunately, you know, work culture has changed. They used to be not great jokes. They used to be massage misogynistic or political, or I mean, obviously, you want to be super safe and appropriate. And, you know, I've talked with another corporate trainer who does a lot. She's a comedian, too. And I was asking her, and she said, it's very situational if you're going into a business corporate, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like a lot of your listeners are, they're entrepreneurs, they're moms, they're becoming entrepreneurs, they're on this whole journey. But, you know, maybe some of them are still in corporate. So it's absolutely okay to to use levity. You just want to be careful, you know. Mm. Well, like, and as far as what we do. I think yeah. Christine will agree. Nobody listens to this show for appropriateness. What? <laughs> I'm leaving. No. Yeah. Very no true. one expects okay. appropriateness Very when true. they come to Midlife Moxie. Can I tell a joke then? Because I was like, I want to do a different one. I got to wake Christina up. Woo! No, you're <laughs> You probably worked out so hard, girl. I know you work out hard. Um, and that's another one, you know, like endorphins. When you laugh mm-hmm. hard, it raises, it gets your endorphins going in a healthy way, right? So that's another reason I, I love to laugh. And um, so I, I say dating in New York is hard. One guy was like, I want a maid in the living room, a cook in the kitchen, and a whore in the bedroom. And I was like, I can't cook. oh i hate that one i love you girl that's a good one that's a keeper i love that i have to say that one to my husband he would die that is so true christina that was true for you girl christina and gail i expect to get a joke 
from your email later tonight. No, that's, <laughs> that's an example of misdirection. And I mean, I'm thinking my three. joke, the punchline may need to yeah. change because right. I'm, I'm riding a bit overweight and I may need to increase my cooking skills. <laughs> <laughs> I was out there slinging that mulch this weekend, y'all. It's some redemption for my weight gain that my husband, I gotta, I gotta, my appearance is not why he's keeping me around these days. So, um, I gotta make myself valuable, right? I don't know. I think you're pretty sexy and gorgeous, Gail. uh, You only see me from the neck up though, Lane, and certainly not naked. So there's that. But I'm smart, y'all. I'm smart. Um, I'm supportive. I try to be a good person. So I'm leading with that lately in my relationship with my honey. That look at all these other qualities, babe. <laughs> so when we think about the science of laughter, you know, some people have this idea that it's inappropriate to laugh at certain times, times when we're hurting, times we're mm. in pain. Mm-hmm. What do mm-hmm. you say about that? Oh, I think it's, I think it's, absolutely um the best time now obviously like when if there's going to be a memorial i want everyone to be dancing and laughing you know like i want it to be a celebration of life but but um yeah i mean i obviously i think it depends it's very situational but laughter can be such a release like Les Miserables is one of my all-time favorite, favorite musicals. I saw it like eight times. It is so heavy. It is so intense. Everybody's in brown. Favorite song. You know, don't do you hear the people sing? I mean, it is like heavy, 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 heavy. Oh, no. I like the one at the end, the innkeeper song. Yeah. No, I mean, there's great, great, great songs. But then they have the master of the house. They have a comedic couple. Because Love the, the master. Like, That's my favorite please, song in it. Can we please laugh a little bit? It's just like any good, any decent play has some levity because the audience, you have to have a release. Okay, right? I've never, I've never seen that play clearly because oh, okay. it's, it's well, it's probably, a movie too. If you're, yeah, it's a movie you know, too that it's, I'm it's good. really amazing. But, <laughs> but the whole point is, the whole point is, you know, you you can't. You can, but to me, we need release. We need, it's okay to be intense. And Mm -hmm. one of my favorite things is to be crying and laugh through the tears because to me, that's, that's life. Like I just spoke, Christina, I think you and I both, you know, I'm, I'm very open about my sobriety and Mm -hmm. I, Mm -hmm. I just spoke for this group on zoom. And this woman was like, Elaine, you were in my room when I, you were in my home group when I was brand new sober. And every time you opened your mouth, I knew I was going to laugh and cry and that you laughed at the pain. Mm-hmm. And I never laugh at anybody else's pain right? because right. I, I feel like there's so much, there's so much to make fun of right here. And in life, I, I feel like there's enough mean comedy and that's cool for some people. They think that's funny and, you know, but I just feel like there's plenty of other things. But yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think I, I do not like rape jokes. Um, I'm not going to do them. It happened to me a lot. I just feel like, you know what? There's so many other things or like people who went through this stage where they would make fun of the homeless people. Well, most of the homeless people are mentally ill. Mm-hmm. They don't have families and they're addicts. So I'm like, really, you know, there's so many other things to make fun of. So you know, that there's a few topics that I just don't want to go to, but, but, you know, to each his own, right? Like I love Wanda Sykes. She talks about all kinds of stuff. 
Yeah, she's pretty funny. I I like that you have picked your genre pretty much. You you have said, okay, this is this is where I'm going. This is what I feel comfortable doing, and then this is where I know that I can thrive. You know, and get not just a reaction out of people, but also the healing nature of what it does for somebody else in a positive way. So I love that you said, you know, like this is the arena that I play in and I know it, you know, and I think that's a, that's a really big thing for a lot of people that, you know, might be even thinking about stepping into, you know, comedy or looking at it for a way to elevate they're speaking um, because I know that's one of the reasons why I have decided in the future to do improv and yes. and you know to elevate the way that I speak um, because I know that it helps. Yeah, uh, but there's a certain arena that I just I won't play in. You know, as as what you said, you know, there's just a certain arena that I just won't play. But I in. do think it's a gift when it is God from God when there's funny in the sad. Mm-hmm. Like I, I remember so vividly a story when we first moved to Texas. We moved to Texas the week my mom passed, oh, and we God. buried her like on Tuesday, and I moved on Thursday. Oh my! But God. But it, it was actually good because there was I start. She'd been sick for a while. We'd been waiting for her to pass. So I was ready to move on to something positive. But the first time I went to church there, they start playing the songs, which we now know are scientifically geared to make us cry and make us, you know, tap in our emotions. And I just start bawling, you know, the big tears, the ones you can't just, or, you know, pat at the edge. You really need a, a some type of absorbent material. So I start rubbaging through my purse, looking for my Kleenex or, you know, something. And the only thing I could find that was absorbent was a panty liner. And so here I'm in this church. I've never been there before. I'm having this moment and I am tapping my face with a panty liner. Y'all, that was freaking funny. You just had to laugh at that. But here's what I also found out. Y'all, they're very absorbent and they don't get lint all over your face. This is brilliant. You should just carry some just carry a little carefree just, in there and <laughs> you can just whip it out and go. I mean, and you can be carefree all the time. I love yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just, I didn't laugh at the moment, but I sure have laughed about it later. I'm like, you know, only Gail and only God, but well, that's, you know, I think when you can make normal things funny and when you can make them fun, like I know when I'm working in the yard with my husband, um, that backwards. Okay. Sorry. You know, anything that we do that we can make it fun or funny, it's just so much more enjoyable and we feel just so much more linked and, you know, your defenses are down, your nerves are down, what you were mad about yesterday is gone. And, you know, it's a great way to get over any negative feelings towards someone is to laugh with them. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the way that my, bonds us is incredible. That, I think that's the reason I'm still with my boyfriend, to be honest, because, <laughs> because, you know, that's a whole nother story, but we make each other laugh because we drive each other crazy and it's only like a part-time long distance thing. But anyway, I'm sorry. I, I, the, so crisis, it, the crisis of today is the joke of tomorrow. Mm, so and true. I, you know, I, like David Sedaris says, everything is funny eventually. And so one of the things like I was, we were, I was talking with Gail, we were like, ah, oh, family. And I was like, just tell yourself, this is going to be hilarious in two months. She always tells me it's in the book. It's, it's going to be, be in, in the, the book. book, you know, and, and that really, that's, I think for me, because, you know, I was running around auditioning, exhausted, doing real estate, running into the city, you know, and there's a part of you that's like, oh my God. 
And I just kept thinking, even if it's a bad day, it's going to be funny. Like this could be material. This could be material. And it's just a great way to live your life to just try to reframe it. So does, does your, does your honey, so you and your honey are both in, in, in the business and, um, and and that's how that works or tell tell us a little bit about that. (laughs) Cause that's interesting to me. Oh God. So I, when I first started, I had several female comedians say never date a male comic and I did not listen and I dated several and I like, I actually had one guy who was, one guy was crazy. And luckily I kind of like backed out of that quickly. One guy was great, except he said, I smoke pot occasionally. And you know, I'm sober, but I thought, oh, pot, that was never like my thing. And then we went away to do comedy and he was, and I realized, oh, occasionally at eight o'clock, occasionally at (laughs) 8.30, occasionally at nine o'clock. Like I realized that his smoking pot occasionally was like all the time. And, it's uh, an occasion that yeah. happens regularly. <laughs> and, and then and then I grabbed a water bottle out of the com I was at a comedy condo with him in San Antonio and my friend was picking me up to go to an AA meeting. So I grabbed this water bottle and I'm like in an AA meeting. And it's the Saturday 10 a.m. AA meeting, which is like the meeting in San Antonio. Like and I'm and I went, oh, and it was vodka. I had accidentally had a swig of vodka. Mm-hmm. And but I thought I was grabbing a water bottle. So anyway, so even though I loved him and it was fun, it just his partying. I could tell like if I kept with mm. stayed with him, it was going to affect my sobriety. But um, so, I feel yeah, like you're so, talking about Mrs. Maisel and Lenny Bruce right here. Oh mm. right, right. I haven't I haven't seen the latest season. I'm behind on that. Oh, so, so and he, so here's the other thing, Christine. I have to tell you, dating comedians. I wouldn't recommend it because <laughs> we, if, even though I can be very fun, when I am off, I can be intense, moody, and slightly depressed, mm. which is, you know, I, I mean, I take meds. I'm going to be open and honest. I take meds and I meditate and I go to my AA meetings minimum three times a week and I work out as much as I can because it helps elevate my mood and it helps me be brighter, mm-hmm. you know? Because mm-hmm. I'm still, you know, I'm still overcoming the trauma that happened. I mean, everybody has trauma, right? It's just like the degree, you know, I am kind of a double black belt, if I may say so. But I use humor, you know, to help me get in a peak state. I, I yeah. listen to humor when I'm putting on my makeup. I recommend five minutes of YouTube a day. There's so much you can see for free. Wanda Sykes, Louis C.K., even though he's misogynistic, I think he's brilliant. Bill Maher is an asshole, but he's brilliant. I love Stephen Colbert. I, I mean, there's so many good, good people. So um, did I answer? I don't even know what I we were talking about. <laughs> I, I love it. Well, oh, you know, dating. We were, yes. dating, dating in the, in, in the scene, you know, yeah. dating in the scene. Oh God. It's, you know, okay. Just, let me ask you this. Yeah. If when you're a funny person, and if a person has only been around you when you're being funny, when you're in that place, what do you say to people who criticize you? Like when you're serious, oh, Elaine, where, where's, where's funny Elaine? And mm. how do you help people to understand that you're a multifaceted person and you're not always funny. Mm. Things are always funny to you, but there's times for seriousness mm-hmm. and there's, how do you get Great people question. to not expect you to be oh. on and be funny all the time? Well, luckily I have like kind of an inner 
circle of sober sisters and, um, and they have seen me, you know, I was in love with this Australian guy a few years ago in love, Christine. I wanted to move to Australia. I was like, <laughs> this is the guy. And when he broke up with me, I, you, I, you had, they had to scrape me up off mm. the floor. I couldn't work. Yeah. I could barely, I had just started my business and it was like, and I literally would go to AA meetings and sob on people's shoulders, like snot, like really good mm-hmm. people will let you. Sleep. And they're like, oh, great. Elaine's here. Elaine, you know. <laughs> but it was my safe place. It was my safe yeah. place. And, um, yeah. and you know, most of my people in my home group know my laugh. Like I was on Mel Robbins and uh, Mel Robbins. Yeah. Mel Robbins. She's like, you know, one of the top mm-hmm. speaker coaches. And my friend was the warm up. So they, whenever you have a TV show, you have a comedian who comes out and warms up the crowd up and like, okay, you got to listen and keep some energized. So my friend was like, come on. So two of my friends and I, we were in the front row and I was laughing because it gives energy. And several people were like, I heard your laugh. Cause I have a loud laugh, kind of like Christina's a little bit. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is hard. It's hard when people um, will say, Oh, you're a comedian. Tell me a joke. Be funny. Mm. And, and mm. I used to watch my ex-boyfriend Spanky and he would say, Oh, you got to come to the show. You know, he was always like, come to the show. You know, he, he was really good at that. And, and I learned to do that because when people put you on the spot like that, it's usually, it's so forced. Even if you're a pro, it just can feel awkward, you know? But don't, don't, I feel like you're naturally, you have this ability. I I think that most comic, comedian, is that right? Comedians have, have this natural ability to make everything or spin everything to be funny. So it doesn't matter if you're telling me a joke or if you're right. just talking to me. It's like there is just this natural ability of of, of how they speak, their inflections, um, taking something that's kind of a downer and you're like, oh, that's – let me, oh, let me great, flip that. <laughs> let me flip right. that real quick. Well, yeah. and that's why I'm so excited that you're going to take improv, Christina and Gail. I think you should. I think we should do improv too. <laughs> My life is improv. Right. What the hell are you talking about? But it's improv from the minute I wake up. I don't know what's going to happen next. But that's, 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 that's exciting, right? But I think that it's also a muscle, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and when people go, "Oh, I'm really funny. I'm hilarious," people tell me. I, I always think, "Oh." Probably not. You're probably your boyfriend laughs at you. You know what I mean? Or your your people. Under Christina you. and I are funny. No, you guys, <laughs> you guys, you guys are. But I'm just saying, like in the networking world. Now, when somebody says, "Oh, I'm not funny at all," I can work with that because the expectations are low. So part of humor, we laugh because we're surprised, mm-hmm. right? And we laugh because it's true. Comedians state things that everybody else is just thinking, right? Thinking, yes. Right? Yes, and, and I so love doing that. we laugh because it's like, you know, like an airplane, right? There's first class, then there's economy, then there's like, oh my God, economy. There's like, holy shit, hell economy. And then there's poop, right? Like, <laughs> right? Or like, or like when people go, oh, there's a baby on the flight. What are they really thinking? 
fuck, right? Or <laughs> don't you know, sit like, me by the baby, right? <laughs> Make and sure so, they are, are heavily sedated. I mean, right. I don't know. no joke. The one time I flew first class, class there was a You're, dog in first class. Oh no! And there was mm-hmm. a cat, nope. either nope. in the nope. first class somewhere or nope. in the cargo below me. We just nope. I kept looking at the guy beside me. I'm like, did you hear that? And we start meow, and I'm like. There's a dog right over there, mm. but there's a freaking cat nope. somewhere. That was my whole first class That's experience. Yep. But it's still better than a baby. But, you know, I'm just, <laughs> I just think, and here's the thing about comedy too. When you're trying to be funny, a lot of times it's not funny, right? Now, you guys don't have that problem. But a lot of times you're just speaking your truth. You're just mm-hmm. being who you are, and that's freaking funny. So part of my whole theory is if you want to, like, take improv, but the more I know a lot of the people who get up on stage and are funny, they've just been on stage a lot. Maybe they're never going to become comedians, but they can be funny speakers. Mm. And that took a while. You know, a lot of it, it's like, what is mastery, right? People don't just roll out of bed and they're pro football players or pro volleyball players, right? It's, It's a process. And I feel like that's what happens for a lot of comedians. But also, you know, too, I think being a good comedian is like being a good artist. I think it starts with having a strong awareness. Like you notice things that other people don't notice. Right. Or you notice them in different, more intense ways that other people do. And you think about it more like an artist before he can draw something, he has to be able to see it. And he sees lines and shadow, whereas I just see an apple or a pear. Right. And so I think people who are truly innately funny um, they see those little nuances where you just see a situation, but we're like, oh my gosh, what, what if that happened? Or, oh my gosh. And right. I think a lot of my humor comes from just being innately a little bit, I'm just a little bit of a hot mess. Like I'm so clumsy y'all. Like I'm going to fall down or run into something a good three times a week. And I misspeak a lot get my words jumbled. I, I'm just, I'm just kind of a mess. Sometimes it doesn't mean I'm not smart, but I do some really funny shit. You know, I'm the girl that like the shoe, the heel will break off my shoe or I'll rip my pants oh my or, that is, you know, something just stupid. That has happened. Hold on a second. Can I tell you about the time my pants split open? Not once, twice, Three times the charm when I dropped it like it was hot at a bar and I had no chones on. It was amazing. Had to run home. This was when I was still using. Had to run home, change my pants, get back to the bar so I could drop it like it was hot again. Tell oh me. Oh, my God. <laughs> you See, this is why Christine is so funny because it's so freaking unbelievable. Who would rip their pants, run home and change so they could go back and do it again? Yeah, girl, yeah. Oh, my, help us all. That sounds like I mean, I'm the girl that's always going to miss the last step or, um, you know, get my bag caught in the elevator or some other. And it's usually because I push things a little too far. Like, I'll try to carry too much, go too fast step too long. You know, and, and that's your humanity and that's what we love. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely real. It's definitely real. So here's, I'm going to flip the question a little bit for you. When we laugh, we know how that makes us feel scientifically. What does it do for the person who makes others laugh? Mm-hmm. Like when you make others uh, laugh, what does that do for you? It's better than sex, drugs, 
I mean, when Rock you, and roll. when you have a whole, like, here's the thing about comedy. Like, so it's better to have low ceilings and dark. It's much harder to do it in a big open, like outside or in a big old theater. That's, you have to have a lot more energy and it's like a containing thing. So that's why a lot of comedy clubs are like, they cram you in and they do well in basements because it contains the energy. And so when you have a tight, small, dark place and you have had a good set and they are like leaning in and laughing with you, it is like, it's like, I, I mean, it's like heaven. It's like, it's like love. It's just like love. It's like. So hearing communing. someone laugh when you're in the right moment to receive that, do you think that sets off chemicals in our brain? Oh yeah. When people laugh at us, when we get the response we want, and I ha- does that impact? And you know, what's interesting to me, there's so many things happening. Like what is mastery? Like both of you are excellent interviewers, trainers, leaders, right? So things you do automatically because you've did them for years, right? Lifting people up, listening to their concerns, getting them to take action and Right of, you know, all those different things, right? So as a comedian, you're sensing things. You're sensing who's with you, what's going on. Mm-hmm. Should you, you know, you want to, tr- you try to like deliver your, your jokes in different ways. And, you know, and I was, the more you do it, the better you get. And, you know, but my, I, I did, I got to do it for 10 years. And then my boyfriend at the time had done it for 20 so he could, if there was an audience that was kind of dead, he could like wake them up. If there was an audience that was like crazy, he could like bring, like he was wow. a true master. He could change his delivery. Like when somebody's doing it for 20 years, like there's a guy, Ross Bennett. He's my neighbor. He lives in Jersey. He's been all over. He's had an amazing career and he is such a master. And I love to go watch him because I know most of his routine and I can watch the nuances of his delivery. But so I remember I was at Catch a Rising Star. I was in New Jersey and I was in the mm. middle, which is like my favorite part because somebody else warmed him up and you get him. And it, there was just love. Like it was just a hot set. I was in the moment. I was like in and out of my material and crowd work. And there was so much laughter. I had to keep, like, I, I had to keep, like, letting it in. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was almost, it, it was so exciting. I had to kind of keep adjusting because I hadn't gotten that much laughter in between jokes. You know, that's one of the challenges. Like, sometimes you tell a joke and it's a heavy hitter, but it doesn't, you know, it just gets a little bit. You, you you keep going. You don't want to go fast, you know. So it's like the timing of it. You don't want to step on a laugh. So there's a lot of this going on, you know. Evan, but flow. yeah, when they when Evan they're flow. with you, it's like heaven. And when they are not, you sweat, flop sweat. You sweat buckets, drenched, drenched. Wow, you know, laughter can get us through tough times. It can get us out of uncomfortable situations. And Elaine shared with us what it does to our brain. I mean, so I think we have to be proactive. Like you said, watch some comedy each day or listen to something comedic because I think we've done just the opposite in this country. We've gotten so used to filling ourselves with news and noise. And I remember there was a time where I used to keep the news channel on all the time. 
(gasps) And I realized later, as I started thinking about it, I started thinking, no, wait a minute. What they talked about on Monday made me anxious. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday came. It never happened. And so I spent all that time being anxious for nothing. And so I turned away, but I had this fear I was going to miss something. I was going to not know about something. And so I turned away from news for a very long time, like didn't watch any news, not local news, not national news, to the point I didn't even know what was going on. People were saying stuff. I'm like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Um, But I had to kind of break that cycle. So I think humor does the same thing. You know, if you're constantly feeding yourself with good, making yourself laugh, it's going to impact you in very positive ways. All these chemicals, plus the exercise of laughing, and just that it's not bringing us down like other other types of content we consume. And, you know, coming out of the pandemic and all we've been through with the political atmosphere, the racial atmosphere, all the things, it's been heavy. So if we ever needed comedy, Elaine, it's it now. now. So mm-hmm. kudos to you for what you do, because we think it's just entertainment, but it's really a valuable so part of our more, society. Yeah. And you serve people so well. And as a coach and speaker, you put comedy into everything you do. And so what if all of us tried to just be a little more lighthearted in everything we do, bring, bring a few laughs into everything we do, y'all, you may be the only, like that might be the only thing funny that that person had that day. Like yeah. you might've been the only laughter they experienced. A so touch. I think there's no greater, well, I'm not going to say no greater, but there's not many greater gifts than the ability to make others laugh and feel good. Can I say? And so, yeah, I'm so in awe of what you do. I think it's amazing and incredible and it's a gift. We take it lightly, but there's a lot of training and study. It, yeah. But we can all have more fun and we can all be more fun. Yeah. So we're at our hour. What's the last thing you would want to say to our listeners about laughing more and the impact it has on us? Well, I would say, yes, like, just like, it's like a part of self-care, right? What is your mindset? So, you know, maybe you start off your day great. I'm a morning person and it's the afternoons, the late afternoons when I'm like, I want I want Starbucks. I want coffee. I want cocaine. Right. So for me, I, I try to do a I pattern. Need, right? I need a lot of cocaine. Right? I need a, you too with the freaking cocaine. I'm just trying I to watch a 90 day fiance. So, um, so, you know, having you an too. afternoon break, like knowing when is your low point and go, go take a walk, go do a stretch, but maybe stand up and do some jumping jacks and watch some Wanda Sykes. And then, so for yourself, and then if you were going to try to use humor, I would just preface it. Like I, I used to say, I'm never ma- I don't make fun of anybody else, but I like to make fun of myself because it's helped my healing and it helps have an impact and it's going to help you remember things that might save somebody's life. Mm-hmm. So it's always okay to set the context, the framework, if you're going to try to add levity at work, in a meeting whatever, or try just being the shepherd, just sharing something, not political, not religious, not sexist, never make fun of anybody other than yourself or your own family, not anybody else's race or or my friend, Christina. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You guys can make fun of yourself. So yeah, but um, yeah, we get to be the curator. And, and, you know, with the news thing, I just say, is this going to help me in any way or is this going to lower my vibe? 
I want to be informed, but I know that if I'm serving, I can make more of a difference that way. Okay. Speaking of content, I really want to quickly hear from each of you and I'm going to share too. What's something you're listening to, watching or consuming some content that's funny to you lately? Because some people are like, I don't know where to get funny. Where What's funny to you lately? Well, I listen to my favorite murder podcast all the time because even though they tell crazy stories, they tell a lot of survivor stories, but they're all about girl power and they have given such a platform and helped normalize like meds and people struggling with therapy and and uh, I just love them and sometimes the episodes are hilarious and mm. they have my favorite murder cartoons on YouTube so I would go my oh, favorite funny. murder animation and anything Wanda Sykes she's my hero and Phyllis Diller if you're old school mm. Christina mm. what's funny to you uh, okay, so I love Ali Wong, her new <gasps> special. Like, Ali Wong is my girl. Like, I love I, her. I love her because, well, she shared my my stuff on her Instagram, first of all. So I was like, ah, that's so cool. Like, oh, my God. It's so easy really to get cool. to us. I mean, Stacey just, London shared something of mine. I almost <laughs> pooped my pants. I'm yeah. texting Christina. My fingers were about to bleed. <laughs> Stacey London shared my content. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when, when it doesn't I, take much for us, yeah, Elaine. Th- th- it really doesn't. But I do. I love me some Ali Wong um, just because she, she, she does a lot of the Asian jokes. And, you know, me being Asian, it's, it's funny to me um, because not a lot of people understand the Asian culture and like, so, so I like her, and then I love love Schitt's Creek. Like, oh, I, Schitt's Creek is phenomenal. I can't, oh my gosh, I could watch it over and over and over and over. And like, favorite character? Oh, no, the mother, the mother. Uh, well, I I like the brother. The, oh my god, David, David, David. I figured you I, would like the the sister no, because she's you. You're the sister. He's great, but I mean the woman Catherine O'Hara. So I got to be on. I was in waiting for Guffman, and I got to meet Christopher Guest, and I did a Dairy Queen scene with Parker Posey. So I got to be with that crew for like. See, a minute. and she just keeps. Yeah, every time you talk to her, something going, else falls yeah. out. So yeah, I love it. I, I love think I relate to David and the mob. Like the things that they mm-hmm. say, they're super funny. I'm like, yeah. I totally relate to that. It's funny, but it's true, and I don't know why everybody else <laughs> doesn't just think that's true and factual. So what the hell? Okay, yeah. I got to turn everybody on to Abbott Elementary. If you're not watching Abbott Elementary, okay, um, I think it's on Apple, and I think there's maybe two seasons up. It is hysterical. I mean, just, it's one of those where they say things and then look at the camera with a face. I love that kind of um, cinematography, I guess you call it. And of course, Call the Midwife is great. Oh, I love that show. Call the Midwife is great. But there was another one I was going to say, Abbott Elementary, Call the Midwife. Sex Education, Miss Maisel. Not Call the Midwife. I'm sorry, Miss Maisel, not Call the Midwife. Call the Midwife's not funny. I See, since COVID, my brain's not working right. I was going to say, I've never even heard you talk about Call the (laughs) Midwife. But I do love Call the Midwife. I mean, obsessed. I'm obsessed with everything on. My sister and I are always like this. Oh, God. 
Where do they get these babies? They make it look so real. They use strawberry jam. <laughs> to did make you them look- know that in the United Kingdom that there are people on a like they volunteered their babies to be on this show. A lot Can of those are real babies. What? And people want their baby on there. And they talked about how grape jelly is used a lot for these babies. Oh, I thought it was strawberry. It, oh, whatever. It might be strawberry. It's jelly and how they do use dummies for a lot of it, but there's also a lot of real babies and it's a thing in England and Britain to get your baby on Call the Midwife. But let's see, what was the other one I watched? Miss um, Maisel. Miss Maisel, I loved Abbott Elementary. Sex I can't laugh enough at 90 Day Fiance. It just makes me happy. You know what I think makes me happy? Show this is gonna sound so terrible. Is when I look at people's lives and think, Well, I'm doing better than that, I'm at least got it together better than that. Isn't that awful that we elevate ourselves that way? That's okay, um, it's human, it's human. Well, let's just say this there's I'm gonna say it again Abbott Elementary, A B B O T T, hysterical. I want to hear back from you on that. But you know, there's so much content out there. Oh, there's a podcast I love called The Holy Post, and they talk about a lot of serious topics, but they do it. The guy who leads it was the guy who wrote Veggie Tales back in the day. Oh, Oh my God. And he's so funny because he's like me, he's kind of sassy about everything. So they can be talking about serious, but they're cutting jokes. So it's a great podcast. Um, Yeah, those are those are some of my favorites to turn on. Awesome. Man, Elaine, I just love getting to know you more and more. I cannot wait till we're all in person. Oh, I, can't I was laughing because either. you and Christina are going to be about the same height, and I'll be. T- <laughs> I'll get a, Y'all have to get a stool, but um, it's just going to be even funnier in person. I can't imagine us all like being in a restaurant. Like I think we might get thrown out. I think, I think it's going right. to be fun, whatever we do. Yeah, mm-hmm. I see it happening. I see it happening, and you know. Midlife Moxie, part of our goal is to be funny and have fun and, and bring joyous things. But well, there's I also seriousness about this. I love what you guys are doing. I think it's really important. And I think it there is your brand is totally fun. And like you give a lot of value, but there's a lot of fun. And I think that that is so needed. And you give permission. Oh, like... You know, I think so many women have like been raising kids or being in families or working on the careers. And then they come to this middle and they're like, oh, my God, who am I? Mm-hmm. And I get to focus on me and shit. And it's an exciting and overwhelming If we can't time, laugh about you know? dry vaginas and the landing strip closing, you know, we what are we going to laugh about oh in life, right? Oh, my God. Or like having Because the stories yeah. just get funnier and funnier as I talk to my friends. But um yeah, th- I How think to navigate fun humor, prostate issues. Yeah, yeah, ah! yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I'll tell you those prostate issues. I'm sick of hearing about prostates, quite frankly, hernias and hemorrhoids, because that's what my dad <laughs> talks about all the time. And my oh, brother God. got in on it because he had a hernia repair, and then my husband had a hernia repair. And you're like, and I swear. I'm done. We, no joke, I've told this on the show before, but we were sitting around at a holiday and they got started on all the H's, hernias, hemorrhoids, and then the P. And I finally just got so sick of hearing it because we as women would not feel at liberty to talk about all our issues in a mixed crowd. So I just spoke up and said, if I hear you guys mention your hemorrhoids, your prostate, your penises one more time, I'm going to start talking about my vagina. And if you could have seen the looks on their faces, you would have thought I was going to throw up on everyone. But it was so okay for them to be talking about that. But, you know, if you can talk about your prostate, we can talk about our vagina. I mean, let's just, 
I mean, get real. So bring it to the forefront, ladies. Bring it to I the forefront. It. I love it. I couldn't wait for this episode. I knew it was going to be a ton of fun. And I hope our listeners will go out there today and be intentional. We gave you some ways to be intentional about finding funny and bringing joy and laughter in your lives. I don't care how badly you're feeling or how <clears throat> poorly you're feeling. Just put it on the calendar, something funny today, something fun today. I'm going to laugh today, every single day. And then I hope you'll make it part of every single hour. And Mm. so we thank you so much for your time. You can find Elaine at CaptivateTheCrowd.com. She helps people with their speaking, with their social media presence, video. She just has so many talents. So coach, speaker, comedian, extraordinaire. Thank you so much for being with us, Elaine. Reach out to her if you're interested in any of her courses or what she has to offer or where she'll be appearing next. And Christina, what do we always say? Until next time, go and get your moxie on. Bye-bye now.